Hello everybody, this is Khanit Suleiman from ERP Talks. Today we are very happy having Mike Taylor with us. Mike is a very experienced SAB Business One consultant. He is known also as a Battleship Cobra on YouTube. He had a YouTube channel. He have a bestseller Udemy courses, SQL and Krista report uh, related to SAB Business One. I'm one of the people who purchased this, by the way, Mike. Uh, Mike, we are very happy having you today in our show. Thank you very much, God. Okay, so let's dive in our first question. And it might sound a little bit cliche, but Mike, we want to know more about you. I live in Canada. I'm a father. I have two kids. Um, I do a lot of martial arts. I do a lot of cycling. Um, I play a lot of video games generally, not as much in the summer. Um, I play, I really like baseball. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I just, you know, I'm kind of an internet kid and I, that's how I got into the YouTube thing. I always took like, uh, from the world of video games and streaming, um, I took the, some of the Twitch kind of logic and um, the YouTube approach to making my videos. You know, I, I wanted to make them more interesting. So, um, yeah, I kind of have always mixed business and technology in like my personal life and business or in professional life. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit kind of what you see is what you get from my YouTube channel. So kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of a weirdo internet person. So no, 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 it's not weird, Mike. You are cool, man. You are doing a great job in YouTube. So I I don't want to see a video, uh, a, a YouTube video that's boring, you know? I want to see those shorts you are doing. It's amazing. I like those shorts videos. I learn from them a lot. And I don't want to spend like all my time watching a video to learn something. I, I need it like 30 seconds, 40 seconds maximum one minute so the shorts are a very good idea mike you know i started watching a little bit of shorts i you know uh, another thing about me is i actually don't consume any social media content almost at all i i banned myself from instagram i banned myself from facebook i banned myself from twitter i just don't i ref, i just don't use them um i watch you know i watch some youtube stuff um, but I really try to, I really try to like get outside and exercise and stay away from my computer. Cause I work on my computer like 99% of the time. I hate, I don't like looking at my phone, but I still like, um, you know, my son's old enough now and he kind of gives me feedback of like what's cool and what's happening. And, um, the shorts thing came up. So it would come across in some of my YouTube, uh, you know, I, like I said, I use YouTube. So I thought, well, with, you know, I always, I like to experiment, like, would this apply to SAP Business One content, like, are there enough people that want to see it? So, um, they're kind of fun. They're easy to make. I can make like 10 at once or something. So yeah, trying to keep it interesting. So I appreciate your comment. Um, I really, I don't want to be PowerPoint, you know, I don't want to be like off camera that it's like, welcome today is a SAP Business One presentation. You know what I mean? I was like, just so tired of those videos. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, no. Please don't be that person. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really boring when you when you watch these videos and those webinars three hours. Yeah, yeah. with the technical issues, you know. Oh, hold, 
hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, one sec. I, I just got to go do something. Oh, and then it's just like nobody on. There's nobody on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Mike, the new generation now are not willing to watch uh, one, two hours videos to learn something. If they want to learn something, they will need this in 2x speed, you know? So uh, the short, the short videos, the, the, this is what people are searching now because nobody will be interested in such two hours videos. And as you know now, in the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, um, everything else, the shorts, uh, people are searching for this. People are searching for, for this content. Um, and we will copy you, man, you know, we will copy you because we want also people to learn and not get bored. Yeah, I, I hope people copy me. I've tried. I really tried. I, I mean, like, if if I could get anybody to just join in and to just take take anything I did that you like, you know, I don't. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but if you uh, if anybody sees what I'm doing and they can completely just copy me and make their own videos, I really I've encouraged a lot of people. I've tried to get um, especially developers to get involved because I think one of the downsides of SAP Business One is there isn't um, there isn't some some topics don't have a lot of documentation. So that was really what my motivation originally was like, I like nobody knew how to make a crystal reports check layout. Right. So that was my first video. And I was like, nobody's done this. So, um, it's really hard to be part of the community because it, it's a niche community. If you just jump in there and make some videos and I really recommend show your face, it helps you to connect to your audience. And that was really the biggest change I think from what I did. So yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I I hope you find it interesting. I hope I, f I make content I find interesting. So that was my goal. No, I told you we learned a lot from you. We learned a lot from you, your content. Your content is different, Mike. Uh, there is thousands of YouTube videos, but your content is not, it's interesting. Uh, it's so cool. So, and nobody now will spend like 40, 15 minutes to learn something on SAP Business One. Instead, we have a video that contains uh, 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. No, I will choose the shorts. And uh, shorts are uh, a good idea from you. I guess you are doing well with the shorts. So Mike, the YouTube channel, uh, you mentioned that you, when you stuck on, on, on the SAP Business One crystal reports, when you have any issue and you are searching for a valuable content, you 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 feel that it's too hard for you to find a content regarding the Krista report. Is that the main reason that motivates you to do this content or to do this Udemy courses? I think what what motivated me was um, like I think just a you know a lot of the SAP documentation is. Uh, I don't, you know, sorry, SAP, it's not that great. It's, it's, um, you know, I find if a, if a developer, uh, if a developer kind of brain writes the documentation, it's, it's incomplete. Like a lot of the times they're going to make, um, you know, they're going to skip steps 
or whoever's writing it, they skip steps. It's unclear. They're like, oh, just enter this address. And it's like, this is not clear. So I always took the mindset of um, like, if I were to reteach this to myself, uh, how would I do that? And how could I make it like really easy step-by-step, like no fail, you know, no fail step-by-step, especially for, you know, the specific topics I started with, like be one, some of the more technical ones. How can I repeat this so that a consultant who's busy and who maybe isn't like, you know, doesn't have eight hours to mess around with SSL certificates and that stuff and maybe isn't even familiar with it, but to take that documentation and make it repeatable because I will forget, like I'm a, I'm a more of a consultant than an I, I consider myself a more of a consultant than an IT person. And so I'm like, well, if I see this question over and over again, and I'm searching for this question over and over and over again, then I'm thinking like nobody, you know, certain people know the answer, but it's like, you know, a consultant in a partner that is not going to share it. So I thought, well, if I nail the answer and I share it, and then if I need the answer, I can go back and I watch my own, this sounds crazy maybe, but I watch my own videos to remind myself of how to do specific things. So I wanted to make um, content content that supported and, and kind of filled in the gaps of where SAP either had weak support or yeah, they kind of had confusing sets of uh, sets of steps. So that was the first thing that I, that I really took on. And then like the, the question when it, whenever I think of, whenever I think of a, of a YouTube video topic, I always think like, is this something that I have had confusion on or might not be straightforward or something that people, I don't want to just repeat like, Hey, this is the sales module. Cause it's kind of generic, but I say like, Hmm, is this something that somebody's asked me for a couple times? So that's why if I talk to anybody, I ask them for video topics and I actually have a, I have an online list. I, I may have published it or I, I haven't really publicized it, but I do have an online list that I use and I track the topics that I see. If I hear it a couple times, I'll just throw it in the list. And then I look at like, Hmm, as you know, some topics I don't want to cover as much, but people really want to see them. So Kind of how I go about it. Uh, uh, I just watched your last video about the air credit memo. I uh, it's unbelievable. I never knew this. I, it, isn't it crazy? It's it's crazy. Like how long have we been? <laughs> why? What? Like, it, it, I don't know. I don't know whose responsibility it is. But I mean, I guess if I worked for SAP, I would be you know SAP Business One. I'd be doing this type of content, but. Um, it's such, that's such a cool feature, um, uh, being able to reopen the invoice in order to credit it. Now I've, I've been making like, I've been training people to make manual invoices from closed credit memos for like 10 years. <laughs> so, I don't even know when it, when that feature was added. So anyway, that's what I'm here to show. Yeah. Cool. So Mike, SAB business one is a niche market. It's super niche market. And all of us know that. How did you started your career in SAB Business One? That's a really good question. I um, I went to school. I, I've all, I, as I kind of mentioned, I've always been like right in the middle between business and technology. I've always loved computers, and I've always been the you know knew 
toys and technology. I, I've always been that way, but I also like business and processes. I, if something is inefficient, it kind of makes me mad. Like in my head, I'm like, how, why I've always just had this, like, this doesn't make sense, like an operational thing. And in school, I actually really liked operational um, management, operations management. Um, so from school, I basically started into another implementation, um, another company that was selling software and I was doing implementations for them. But during school, I saw the first time I ever heard about SAP. Well, the first time I ever heard about SAP, my dad, the company my dad worked for, um, they implemented it, but it was like big, the SAP ERP. So I only had kind of negative impressions. He didn't love it. But when I went to school, they played a video in, uh, in a, an organizational behavior course about the cult of SAP. And it, they kind of made it seem like it was a cult. Like they showed probably one of the Las Vegas um, shows where they were like, they come every year and they're like working together and like, you know, like kind of making SAP out to be a cult. So um, it kind of like, I heard, that was the first time I heard about it. But when I was doing implement software implementations for this other company right out of school, um, one of the sales, I think it was the sales director left and then he was going to start his own, like SAP business one was relatively new. And, um, he's like, like we were close and he's like, Hey, do you want to, uh, work with SAP business one? He's like, you might've only ever heard of it in the large enterprise market. But he said like, take a look at this. It's like a smaller option. Um, it's more of a scope than the company where I was working before. And, um, I liked implementation, but I didn't like exactly where I was. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's do this. I, I really like, um, Jeff's his name. And, um, he was like, let's start a small partnership. And, um, we had another partner that, um, was already into the big SAP world and was excited for this new SAP business one product. Um, so yeah, I, I joined, uh, I just made the leap and I was, yeah, I was really surprised. I dove into the world of SAP and um, just loved it. And I really liked, I really liked the concept of it being a smaller. I I like the transition between a very small, like the small business, to the medium sized business. So I really kind of stuck there. I I I had opportunities to go to the large SAP, but I wasn't really interested in that as much. Um, so I I just stuck with business one. So you know the whole process, starting from sales, pre-sales to go live. Yeah, I did them by myself. Yeah, I still do. I still do them by myself. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. In, in the in the beginning, um, I like because we were only three people. It was like two, it was like sales, two salespeople, and me. Three, yeah, two salespeople and me, and then we added a, a consultant. But I, I would do like I would find the deal, do the demo, do the deal, do the implementation, and continue to do the support. <laughs> yes, yes. I also know what I don't like doing, so uh, I'm fortunate now. I'm with uh, an SAP partner for Justic in Canada, so people are like, "Oh, you could do your own thing," and I'm like, eh, "Like." I really don't like, I really don't love the sales process. I really don't love the billing process. I love, I, I'm a technician. Like I like to tinker around with the tech and I like to consult. So, 
And that's really good that you know what you love. It's a really good thing. So that will take me to my next question for you, Mike. And it's about SAP Business One implementations. You did a lot of implementations. In your opinion, Mike, what do you think the most challenging part in SAP Business One implementation? I, I feel like um, computers are easy and people are difficult. So I think um, the hardest the, the hardest thing to to be to be a beginner to be to do beginner implementations, you focus so much on your system, like what you are building for, what you think would be the best in isolation of when you're testing. And I think when you start to get a little better, you really have to do a bit of change management. I don't know if you ever seen uh, Gordon Ramsay's like what is it called, um, Kitchen Nightmares where he kind of goes in and he has to like, you know, he comes in and like brings the departments together, starts, you know, like that, I, as weird as it sounds, like I want to go in and I want to, I want to bring the organization together because a lot of smaller businesses, it's like the warehouse is like, they have a, their own spreadsheet and then finance is working in QuickBooks. They don't talk sales they do whatever the heck they do and stuff's showing up so i feel like the hardest part is to foster and kind of um adjudicate the communication like you know enable the communication cross department so that you can integrate all these processes into one um robust process that they can use and grow it grow on that will be more efficient and a lot of the times, like people don't want to change. So I have to consider, uh, and I think my biggest failures like earlier in my career were like me trying to make my system perfect so that it would work technically. But I, I don't know where I heard about it, but the word compliance, I heard the word compliance somewhere. And somebody was basically saying, if they don't use it, it doesn't matter at all how good the system is. It doesn't matter how many UDFs you have and what kind of technical features you have. If they don't want to use it, it, it makes no difference. So getting by, getting a, having, having and maintaining a positive rapport with the team of people you're working with and fostering cross-departmental communication and enabling change management, you know, there's always going to be some pain and some people won't want to do it, but demonstrating enough value for the reason that you need to buy into using the system, why it will help, and then making a system that is reasonable enough in the requirements that anybody would say, hey, this isn't too bad and this provides me more value back than I'm putting into it. And I think that's the real challenge of an implementation. It's not getting, uh, you know, it's not writing the best queries. It's bringing people together. Mike, ChatGPT is making waves now. And a lot of people are thinking that ChatGPT may replace them. So do you think this is a real thing? The AI will replace people? Yeah. Again, um, good good uh good topical question here um i'm uh if if you know me i'm pretty i'm pretty uh negative on ai 
I think that AI is the new uh, distributed ledger. Like I think it, artificial intelligence is the new um, cryptocurrency. And um, you know, while I did buy a lot of Bitcoin, trade a lot of Bitcoin, I don't so much now. And the technology, I think, honestly, is a little bit dead in the application in terms of using it in real life. And I think that AI is kind of on that path. I think that um, I heard something in the U.S. where they they were starting to you know, want to prevent people in financial situations from just using the word AI and throwing that into their um, proposals and things. Because if you didn't have really a way that you were going to use it, it was, it's just a buzzword, right? So they go, everybody just goes, this includes AI and that includes AI. So I think the definition of like, is this going to be an autonomous self-thinking, you know, Android or something? Or is this going to be some sort of algorithmical deep learning system? You need to make a distinction between those. Is it fully an artificially intelligent being? I don't really think so, but is it a deep learning set of uh, algorithms that will be very useful? I think so. And where it really intersects with ERP, I think is kind of like Google's approach to it where you know, um, you can use it to make better recommendations where, you know, YouTube will suggest things. And YouTube has been pretty transparent that they don't like, it's not necessarily like an intelligent person making the decisions. They just algorithmically use deep learning to say, if you are like this person, then people like you with your same data often will click this particular video. So when I think about it, I think about that. It's like, that's not really a soul of a person doing a creative process. It's a very fast computer crunching a lot of numbers. So when I think about, um, is it going to replace me? It makes me a little bit sad to think that a computer could spend as like care as much as I care because when I do the blueprinting, I lose, I lose sleep. I, really bury myself in the pro like listening to the customer and bringing their requirements to a place of not only again like we were talking about building the base building the phase one of their whole business so that they can go from a small business to a medium business so they can gain that efficiency to grow them into a bigger company i i know chat gp PT, I've seen some great examples and I've seen some kind of like, you know, not good examples where people will ask questions and I read the answer that chat GPT gave them. I'm like, eh, the, like queries are pretty scary, like what they can do, but still, do they really understand the requirements? Do they really understand what you're really asking? Do they know about UDFs? Um, and some of those things, no. And then in some of the process things, it's like it guesses, right? So when you read it, it's kind of like, you know, like uh, a smart college student that has to write a blog article about the topic you're asking. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, the first step is pretty obvious. Click something and it figured out some sort of menu. But then the next one, the next, I'm just thinking of one I was reading the other day. And, um, you know, wasn't really exactly what you had to do. It was kind of generically what you had to do. So I don't, I, I think if you, I think the biggest thing is if you care in the support world, um, 
you are trying to be more of a consultant, like you're, tr- you know, you're not just answering the question, you're listening to the customer, you're providing service. And I don't think like sometimes you have to connect to the computer. Sometimes you have to troubleshoot things that, you know, it's like, unless Chad GPT really does become an autonomous person, you know, you, as a support person, you should aim to be more useful than a chat bot. <laughs> so if your goal, if your goal is to be less useful than a chat bot, then you're probably going to be replaced. But if you can build rapport, connect, listen to what the customer is asking you, solve the problem efficiently, um, build requirements, uh, troubleshoot technical issues really well, and kind of read through the lines and, and you add a more human touch to it. Um, I don't think your job is in danger as of right now. I've heard people saying like, it's going to replace all consultants and perhaps at some point, but I, again, I like to think that like with the love of business process, you can't replace my creativity or good luck trying. I think somebody once said, um, somebody was saying like, um, AI is not going to replace you and your job if you use AI somehow, if you embrace AI and use it alongside in your job. So I was thinking about that kind of expression. Like if I don't embrace it, am I, is, am I going to be left behind? Like it's, it's going to be, um, a tool, like it's going to be an additional tool in the toolbox, I think, rather than a full replacement for people. But again, if with the chat, but I think that that intersection is a, is a really compelling one because, you know, if a customer is like, where do I even start? Search it. And then chat GPT gives them even like kind of sort of a starting point. Um, that's a, that's a really interesting way of doing things. Again, when I've read the chat GTP, uh, GPT uh, answers, they're not necessarily 100% correct in their in their processes, right? So if you if you start with a chatbot, you you can um, you know it could potentially, and I'm sure as chat GPT learns, it'll it'll get uh, scarier and scarier. And it, again, it start it can start a novice person writing queries with at least some base code. Where else can it interface? I think, um, I think probably like a lot of the data analysis things, like I think with deep algorithmic learning, which again, I'm distinguishing between like, um, the Terminator, (laughs) artificial intelligent, moving robots and, you know, algorithmically interpreted data point manipulation robots, basically. Um, I think you can always you know, you could use it to make suggestions that are intelligent. Like, um, I noticed it in word or something, Microsoft word the other day, like I was typing something and in my blueprint, I had kind of like a, a particular set of formatting. And then I would be like, I was doing like it, italic titles, you know, kind of a weird place. And then word started to copy what I was doing. And then I was like, this is crazy. Cause I would like type the title and then it would like auto italicize it and then unitalicize it when I was doing the body of the paragraph. Right. So I think maybe there's some interface with, um, kind of interpreting what you could do. Like, you know, if you, if, you know, if, a, if there's an integrated algorithmical look, something looking at the database and it can make intelligent suggestions on 
oh, you know, what, like, like an assistant, like, Hey Mike, you know, you know, and, and you could do these, um, you could do these type of alerts manually, but like all oh, this purchase, you know, telling a user like, Hey, this purchase order is late and this is going to impact these customers. Would you like us to contact these customers and let them know that their PO is going to be late? Like, could it do, could it interpret data in a way that a lower, you know, like a basic level user would be doing that in order to facilitate some basic customer service skills. I think of SAP Business One, um, really the efficiency builds into the customer experience and, uh, and, 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 you know, customer satisfaction. So that's one thing that I can think of, you know, you using the algorithmic learning to kind of see what's happening and figure out the associations between the objects and um, do some of those things. Is it kind of scary to just say, hey, robot guy, go ahead and reach out to our customer? It, it is. But could we conceivably get there? So I think maybe not as much replacing support, but I think in terms of some customer communications and interpretations of things, I think. Uh, it can get to that point. And I think maybe just um, big data analysis. I know big data is also kind of a buzzword too. And like I said, artificial intelligence at this point is kind of a buzzword. I think it's really, really popular. I think the real business cases will come out and then it will truly be and continue to be used. Uh, definitely more than distributed DLT, uh, distributed ledger stuff like crypto. Um, so big data interpretation, it's kind of the same thing, right? Being able to logically make sense of large data sets in some sort of algorithmically applied way, like a really advanced mathematical way. Um, I can't, I, I, that to me is currently what AI kind of is, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we know what makes us conscious. So it's not like, uh, an, an artificial intelligence is like th a thinking human or it's not at that point yet. So yeah, data, in interpreting data and using it. That's really a great answer, uh, Mike. And as you mentioned, AI will not replace you, but someone who is using AI could replace you. So guys, take care. <laughs> so you know, Mike, that ERP systems are very expensive. And as a business owner, I want to know what is the return of investment? What is the benefits? So what do you think about that? I think of ERP as, um, you know, if you think right now, your administration department um, is the brains of your business and the functional warehouses, um, production lines, um, you know, all, all the salespeople, they're all functions of it. If you want to use the body as an analogy, the salespeople could be the mouth, the warehouse could be the arms, this, the body could be the warehouse, right? So I think right now, if you're using a whole bunch of spreadsheets and you're using QuickBooks and you're like, you know, behind four weeks on doing your reporting, I think your brain is, you know, you could say it's like at a five-year-old level, right? So, you know, you're, you're functioning and I find people that get people that grow their their business model is so strong that it pushes them ahead regardless of how um, disorganized they are. 
So I like to think of, you know, I've, I, I love studying business models. I love business as much as technology, but I love a new opportunity to, to get paid to spend time digging into business models to figure out which businesses, what, like where do they have these competitive advantages and why are they so successful? And it's almost always successful in spite of their current systems. So if I look at their systems now and anything happened, they have no clue, you know, they barely can put together the numbers we need for stock and they can get creative and they'll come together and they'll pull some stuff out of QuickBooks and they'll pull out a Bob spreadsheet and they'll pull out of maybe some warehouse management system they're using to interface with their e-commerce system. What ERP does, and especially SAP Business One, is it it forces your brain to upgrade into a into a much higher thinking, more integrated brain. So you can think of it maybe now, you know, you go to like a 25-year-old and you can, you know, you have a bit more wisdom. You're bringing together the parts of your body and your schedule and your brain and you're, and you're doing a more elegant dance of integrating those components of your body as your business to be more efficient. So just the fact that being able to take, um, you know, I like to think of myself a little bit as a spreadsheet hunter. I'm really trying to remove those critical spreadsheets that all businesses have and make it so that it's, it fits into the platform of SAP Business One. So that as, I, as we're laying down the foundation, it's kind of like a new base of your brain. And then the phase one, you know, like we were kind of discussing earlier, you're not trying to go too crazy because the brain, you're kind of this, the business has to grow at a certain speed. So you set the first level, but you're in place to have further growth. So as you're causing the cross-departmental communication, it's like the lobes of your brain are better able to communicate with each other. And done properly, you should now be able to scale your thinking, scale your business in a way that you're never going to do with spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are a dead end. They're a data silo. One person's controlling all your data. Not everybody can view that data. You could not replicate that critical person. And in a lot of businesses, they have a critical person that they couldn't replace. It's the, it's like everything is in this person's head. So when you move to the ERP, you're going to move all your systems into a set of modules and then you'll be able to interconnect them and you know your warehouse will impact your finances your fine you know it's like instead of following around your warehouse trying to recreate it in quickbooks you set it up to control and have everything in a flowing motion where you can see and report on everything which done properly will allow you to grow and provide better customer service. And everything is about customer service. Everything is about providing the customer with correct dates, accurate numbers, being able to go back and look at their history. So now your brain is upgraded and you should not think of an ERP as just doing more work. You should think of it as doing the right work in order to have a more efficient brain controlling your business operations and how your body moves. Yeah, I agree with you. It should never be one man show. It's a trap. And if you want to grow your business, it's a must to have ERP system. So Mike, in this niche market, 
with the limited resources that are available and as you know SAB educational material is not accessible for everyone my question here is how can I start my career in SAB business one how can I be a set business one consultant do you have any action plan that you can share with us yes uh, well firstly I just need to say just don't people who are listening to this don't just send me a LinkedIn message asking me to hire you because this happens all the time and I don't hire anybody, but I give the same advice. Um, I have an FAQ on battleshipcobra.com with my answer to this. And um, to summarize it, basically my approach would be, um, I have the link to the SAP Business One Partner Finder. Just type in your location in the world and uh, look for somebody with an office that's near to you and then just apply. Um, I think that any, any consulting, any consulting business, any SAP partner will evaluate you as somebody they would like to hire because like I, speaking from Forgestic, like I'm sure they're always looking for consultants that are dedicated. There's turnover in the support teams. And I've seen people hire that barely have, they don't know that much about SAP at all. They don't know anything, but maybe they know a little bit about accounting or they know a little bit about tech, technical IT stuff. Um, or they love business process or they came from an operations background and they want, you know, and maybe they went through an implementation and they liked it and now they want to do more implementation. Um, but my thinking is, I really think in the SAP Business One world, you do need to be associated with a partner until you are fully independent. Uh, like you're saying, a lot of the things are are funneled through the, the business, one, you know, the SAP partner uh, system so you can get an S number. And I think if you find somebody and just say, like, just con reach out to them, contact them. I guarantee you that if you said, Hey, I want to learn this. I don't even, you know, you, you know, that they'll either say, oh, okay, well, we'll hire you as a lower level support. And then you can do your level one training. Um, if they won't do that, then maybe they'll just give you the S number and say, Hey, you know, on your own time, go and go through the e-commerce learning. And um, if you could do the level one, then, you know, maybe you come and do the support work. I, I don't know what people are willing to do in the different areas, but I think, you know, if the, cust if the company is, if you can, if you know that this is somewhere that you want to work or you, and you've gone through an SAP implementation or any sort of implementation and you, you're drawn to this world, um, the partners should enable you in order to get moving in the system to facilitate you to at least have access to the level one e-learning curriculum in order to do the test. Maybe you have to like pay for your own test and do those things. And then you can do like, I don't know if they still do level two, but level two would be have to be through a partner. And then um, you would go to wherever SAP headquarters is nearest to you to do the level two training. Um, but that's it. I don't think reaching reaching out to me as a consultant like I don't do HR anything I don't own a business I don't like I said before I'm a technician I don't even, I don't like billing my own stuff I don't do my own billing I do my timesheets obviously but I don't do the billing so reaching out to me that's what I'm gonna say so you could check out bowshakover.com and I have an FAQ section but it basically just says that and has the link for the partner uh a partner index and it'll just give you all the partners listed throughout the around the world 
And some of them will have local offices too in where you are. So maybe, you know, some of them like Cedar and um, are, are much more international. So if you want to, you know, immigrate to Canada or the U.S. to start in a re- in one of the more remote branches. And um, at some point you can, you know, become part of the support team and then work your way to move to the U.S. or something like that um, or move to Canada uh, where another one of their branches are or even start to work remotely um, for those branches. So, yeah, I, I think everybody's willing to hire motivated passionate people. So Mike, do you think if I am a junior consultant, should I focus on support or should I focus on implementation or should I focus on both? Because uh, I heard a lot of people were saying that you should start as a support consultant to learn more than you can uh, work with the implementation. So what do you think here? I, I, I think that um, you should, you should definitely do support, um, first, but I think if you're serious about doing implementations, you should shadow, you should, my, my favorite, like, so I've developed quite a few, um, consultants and it's been probably the most, I love teaching. And, um, so I think in Forgestic, what happens is we we have a newer person shadow a more senior person, so they'll be the person that they can reach out to. So if you know if you're if you're doing support and you're stuck, then you can reach out to that person, um, you know, and and then you can also shadow them in the blueprinting sessions. You can shadow them doing the implementation, so you can learn. I think depending on the size of the implementation, it's impossible for a brand new person to add a lot of value. Um, if they've never done anything with a DTW, they've never done anything. They don't know that much. So support allows you to like kind of dip your toes into those different areas. And, um, it gives you an opportunity to take a ticket, to look at it, to get in there, to test things for yourself. And then again, for Justic, um, we have, we have, um, new, new consultants shadowing senior consultants and then if somebody is totally stuck they can reach out to me and then i'll just have a conversation with them and it's kind of a you know it's not a a source of revenue per se it's you know you could say it's a waste of my time but it's not because i'll end up spending time with this consultant i'll explain like here's how i would think about it here's how um i would approach this and then i like the people, you know, the, the, the lower, say the, the newer people to, um, to go and try it themselves. If somebody never tries anything, never Googles anything, never looks at the documentation, they're just like, Mike, how do I do this? And they just literally, I I just won't, I don't want to work with them. So I really recommend for you to try to use your resources, use your resources, use your Google capability. Everybody can Google the forum, um, test, bring out your test system, try it, see what happens. And, um, if you test and try and do all those things and you can explain to me like, Oh, I really tried. Um, I will be much more willing to help you. Same with, if you contact me on LinkedIn, like people that are like, I tried this query, here's the query. I'm getting the wrong results. And I'll be like, okay, that's great. I can help you from there. But if people are just like, give me a query for batches, I'm like, well, what did you try? And they'll be like, nothing, just write it for me. And it's like, I don't want to help. So 
help yourself um, by doing your own research. Start in the support. You get individual small exposures to working with a customer, how they're going to react. Each module of the system you'll get experience with. And then start to start to jump into projects. Usually when you're new, you're going to be doing DGW work and you're going to be doing query work and you're going to be doing crystal reports work. So be good with and either good with or capable of figuring out the data transfer workbench. Be good with crystal reports. Have good, nice layouts and an understanding of it as much as you can and understand SQL queries because those are the three things that I can say, hey, new person, can you can you customize this document layout and make it look nice and add these fields and add a logo and do that stuff? That's That adds value to the implementation. Nobody is going to expect you to do blueprinting when you don't know anything about the system or they shouldn't. If they do, you're probably going to fail. So, and I understand not everybody has opportunity to be, to have a mentor, but even if you're, even if you get with a partner, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories about partners that will hire people and they won't support them. They won't give them any information. They won't help them with an S user. They won't help them get access to the e-learning. They won't give them access to other consultants. You have to ask, you have to say like, I need help, but you have to demonstrate that you're trying to help yourself too. And then I think senior consultants, even if they're going to give you just quick answers, just say thank you and take that away and try to do it yourself and try to be self-reliant because the last thing that a senior consultant wants is another project that they have to work to do your work too. I want to give you a couple of points that you can look at. You take those couple of points and then you can solve the issue. If you get stuck, come back. Ultimately, my goal is for you to be independent. So if you think about it like that way, I think you'll always be successful. Help yourself and try to provide value in the situation. And then you'll ultimately have enough implementation knowledge to do a small project yourself or be a more integral part of an implementation team where you could run a couple blueprinting sessions or you could at least take the blueprint and start to do realization if you prefer that, uh, depending on what you want to do. But starting with loading uh, business partner data, start with loading item master data, start with customizing document layouts, start with writing basic queries and understanding what they're asking, you know, what the customer is asking for, what the implementation consultant is asking for. And then you'll kind of level up. And the bigger the toolbox you have, the better professional you're going to be. That's really important advice, Mike. Uh, you can never be a real consultant if you don't have the research skill. Whenever you're stuck, it shouldn't be your first option to go and ask for a solution. This is a customer behavior, not a consultant. You should put your effort and do your homework. Then if you're stuck, you can ask the senior consultant or your ask your manager. So, Mike, if you can go back to the beginning of your career. What is the piece of advice that you will give to yourself? I think, um, I don't think I would change anything really. I fit like, you know, I've lost some implementations, especially at the beginning, but, um, I think I worked really hard. I, I think, um, 
if I were to go back, I, I would say work hard and take the same approach I was kind of explaining, like where I went to school, they, it's, it was a technical, it, it wasn't a university. You know, I did some university stuff, but it was more of a, a technical college. And the first thing they said on day one, they say, if you are not making the business money, then they don't need to hire, like they're not going to hire you and they're not going to keep employing you. So I always focused on trying to be the most valuable consultant and do the most uh, valuable things. But I think the thing I would tell myself to go back is I would say, do the same things, um, work as hard as you did, and uh, but don't take things as personally and don't have like uh, kind of the uh, obsessive, um, the negative side of just being so obsessive about it. Like the little, the little things that happen are lessons that you're going to learn, but don't get so bent out of shape by the little things work hard, but don't take everything so personally. I took everything so personally. If something happened, I, I took it too hard. Um, but the other thing I would say is I can't go back in time and say that if I didn't do that, that I wouldn't be who I am today now, but I would tell myself to relax. Take the same approach, but relax. Yeah, I guess this is a really good answer, Mike. And I guess that, as you mentioned, if I didn't do what I did before, I will not be the person who is sitting with you now. So I'm 100% with you on that. So Mike, my last question for you, can you share with us a book or a podcast that you really learned it from? Yeah, could, I, could I do a couple? I, I, I thought of a couple. I, okay, okay, so I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, okay. So I thought about this a little bit. So I'd say first thing is meditations, the book meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's kind of a, it's a cliche book, but I think stoicism has helped me to not take things personally and not taking things personally and focusing on being a professional, you know, I'm working on my process. I'm not taking a personal, I'm not personally beating myself up. Bad things are going to happen sometimes you're too busy and you don't do the right thing. So I think being a stoic and just focusing on, um, making yourself stronger, focusing on the process, the Marcus Aurelius meditations, it's a short book, very famous book. Uh, I really think it's an amazing one. Um, a business book is, I would recommend that change the way I think about things is, um, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber. Um, this book, I read really early in my career and, um, it focused, it, it really kind of oriented me into building the strongest, most robust process to make it, to make a, make a business process repeatable to focus on customer value. So if you look at like a hotel or something like that, they use the example, they have so many things in place where it looks like it, it looks very personal, the end result being delivered to the customer. The service level is high, but the volume is also high. So it helped to orient me to thinking like, how can I make the most robust but efficient system to give customers what they want, where um, I'm still able to scale it into many, many branches, but still have the customer get the right information um, efficiently. It also had a concept of um, the technician 
manager and entrepreneur, like this TME matrix. And I think it's the best way of, of understanding, uh, like a worker's motivation. And I've used it all the time. So there's, um, the, this technician manager and entrepreneur. Some people are technicians. They just want to do the technical work. They don't want to do anything else. You have managers, people that like to manage systems, manage people, manage businesses. And then that's what they want to do. And then you have entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs want to uh, create strategic, you know, they want to think about strategic vision. They want to um, run, you know, have the business and, and think in the future, make strategic alliances, think about, you know, opportunities and that. So you can be a mix of a technician, a manager and an entrepreneur. And I think if you think of the motivations of your employees, that's the way that I think is the simplest way. I like Myers-Briggs and stuff, but it's like, it's too, it's so complicated to really understand it. But if you talk to somebody and you say, you're a technician, that's totally cool. Like me, I have opportunity to do other things. I don't want to do admin stuff. I don't like being an entrepreneur. I don't want to own my own business. I talk to business owners all the time. I completely and absolutely understand it. I've done it. I don't love it. So don't, don't penalize me. Like, you know, don't, don't say the only way that I'm going to be able to advance in my organization is only by becoming a manager. You can still pay people more or incentivize a technician because you need technicians. You you know, for just like wants me to be the best technician I can be. Whereas somebody maybe is a technician, they understand the process, but they'd rather do managing. So you can manage a department or move in, into a different area or manage customers or be an account executive or, or do something like that. Or maybe you prefer sales. So I think this that framework really helped me a lot. So the E-Myth um, stood out a lot to me as a book that I learned a lot from. And then um, a podcast, I still, it's kind of stereotypical, but the Joe Rogan experience, uh, I've started listening to him a long time ago. And I think it's made me so much more open-minded and, um, you know, regardless, like some people have negative things to say, but if you really listen to Joe Rogan have, you know, a lot of different sides to a story. Yeah. Be open-minded. Yeah. And, 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 and like you have, have an opinion and, and have a conversation, but at the end of the day, you can still be friends, you know? Um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing to learn. I think people only folk, they, they tried to bring him down. But if you listen, like I've listened to probably thousands of hours of, of Joe Rogan and, um, yeah, it's done nothing but bring me a more positive mindset and to be more open-minded to talk to people and have more conversations. So I think that's a huge one that I think people miss. Yeah. He, he has, a uh, the best podcast ever so thank you very much mike i was really happy doing this podcast with you uh, i really appreciate uh, your time i really appreciate that you accept our invitation and i think that will we should do another episode uh, i have a lot of questions that i didn't ask you today but i will save it for the next time Firstly, it's, it's an honor. Thank you so much, uh, Khaled. It's nice to meet you. And um, I'm, I'm really happy to be, I'm happy anybody cares about Belgium Cobra. I'm, I do everything I do uh, for you and for everybody that's watching. So uh, truly, truly appreciate it. So Mike, thank you again and see you later.